0: All right, I got notes here, but I'm going to uh, take off running if that's okay. Is that all right with everybody? I don't mean running. I'm staying here, but I'm going to run from my heart this morning because I found the notes to be constricting uh, for service. We ran out of time, so I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit fill this. Time with us, all right? My burden has been to talk to you guys about making sure we as the church are ready for what's coming. Um, my focus isn't on all the terrible stuff that's happening in the world from people who don't know Jesus. How many of you know the church is the key? And when we're being who we should be, we become that bright light, we become those agents of change. And how many of you know we have the power to transform people and nations? I say that again. The church of Jesus Christ has the power to transform people and nations. And so there should be a sense of, man, we want to make sure we don't drop the ball. And I told you, you know, in this country that we're living in today, we've got amazing blessing and prosperity and we have amazing freedom. And both of those things come from our Judeo-Christian worldview. It's the gospel that has led to the ideas that came from the Bible that led to the forming of this nation, which led to the greatest liberty any nation's ever known or experienced or tasted, and has led to the greatest prosperity that any nation has ever known, experienced or tasted. And when you put those two together, you have lots of options and you have lots of ability to make your dreams come true. But how many of you know when your dreams get separate from God's dreams and when your ideas get separate from his ideas and your heart gets separated from him all of those blessings become curses. And, and that's what we're seeing. That's the picture of these ugly roses right here is when you get cut off from the Lord, it's only a matter of time before you wither and you die. And as in, that happens individually and it happens as a nation. As a nation right now, it is without question that we are withering and dying on the vine. That is not irreversible. Nobody turned into the gloom and doom prophet and America's going down the toilet and, you know, and we got no hope. That's not the message. The message is return to the Lord. The message is, let's be the church of Jesus Christ. The message is, let's pray and love and serve and share and stand for truth like we never have before in our lives, and let's believe that God could turn this mess into something beautiful, amen? So we're not prophets of gloom and doom around here. We are excited about what God's doing. This is an amazing opportunity for God to display his love and his greatness and his glory. But I shared with you that this environment that we're in is tricky because if we're not careful, we end up biting the hand of Almighty God, the hand that's feeding us because we get our priorities out of line. And one of the temptations I share with you is trading Authority, divine authority for personal preference. Anybody ever encounter that in your life? In other words, wherever the Bible seems to be out of date, out of touch, or makes me uncomfortable, I'm going to reject it, and I'm going to do what I want to do. Uh, and, 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 just, and I'm just going to quote and put those verses on my refrigerator that I like. All right. How many of you know if you do that, you end up losing the essence of the gospel itself? And if you lose the gospel, now we really have lost hope because the gospel is our hope. So we have to hold on to the authority of God and the authority of his word. And the key word here is we have to submit. We don't like that word, but it's it's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It means you live under the word of God, amen? Last week, we said we gotta start living our lives as bits and pieces, and we have to come into integrity. We have to come into wholeness which means you are not able to break your life up into little compartments like work and entertainment and church and kids and grandkids. And th- Your life is not full of compartments. Your life is one big box that says Jesus Christ is Lord over everything, which means when you leave tomorrow morning and you go off to work, you didn't leave Jesus in the glove box or at home or at church. Jesus is Lord of everywhere, now, that'll get you in trouble. I'm just telling you in advance, it will get you in trouble. But the trouble's worth it because long-term uh, obedience and faithfulness is better than short-term com- uh, compromise and complacency, all right? So you don't want to live in bits and pieces, and you don't want your faith to look like Build-A-Bear gospel, right? Where you get to pick everything about it and, and, and uh, accessorize your faith to, to be the God and the Jesus that you want him to be in your life personally. Now, let me tell you about a third uh, temptation we have to watch this week. It is the temptation to exchange the supernatural for the secular. The word secular just means of this world. It it means all that really exists is what you can experience with your five senses. Um, The the religion behind that is the religion that's popular now in our sciences and our public uh, places of education. We act like we're just teaching science, but we're not really teaching science. We're teaching what's called naturalism. Naturalism is a religion. It is a, a superna- supernatural less religion. It is a religion that says that the supernatural doesn't exist and by extension, God doesn't exist. But how many of you know that's unprovable? So you believe it by faith. And if you believe it by faith, you're just as religious as the people who believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God is real and that the supernatural is real. So all it is is we've just traded faith, all right? But here's the problem. That we understand why the world lives that way. But here's the problem, is when that view creeps into the church. And, you know, I'll give this example. Why is it that Americans have won more uh, awards in science and more patents and more creativity come out of America than any place on the globe? Is it because Americans are smarter than people in other countries? No. no? Actually, we're, we're made up of a whole lot of other countries, right? That's not that we're inherently smarter. It's that other nations are worldview blind. For instance, if you're a Hindu and you have you know, millions and millions of gods and your whole goal in life is to keep the gods at bay and to keep them at peace and the territorial spirits you know, happy through sacrifices and stuff that you do you know, to keep everybody happy um, and you live in a world that's completely out of control, would you ever even think to conduct science in a world that requires that it's orderly and predictable and that there's laws. No, you wouldn't even try doing science, which is why the East lags behind the West on development. It's because of our Christian worldview. We believe God created the world and that the world is orderly and that there's laws and that you can actually discover those laws. That's why we do science. Isn't it interesting that, that science now is biting the hand that feeds it? We're acting like science and God are at opposition, but you can't even have science apart from a Christian worldview. So see, we just gotta be reminding ourselves of these things, but here's the problem. What happens when we take that view and we bring it into the church? Well, let's go to the Bible and we'll see. We're gonna go to uh, 2 Timothy chapter three, and I wanna camp out here for just a moment. 2 Timothy chapter three. Before we get there, I want to remind you that Jesus' Lordship, as we talked about last week in Colossians 1, 15 and 16, his lordship was over the things that are visible and invisible. How many of you know the world is not just made up of what you can touch, taste, hear, smell, etc. The world is made up of things that are visible and invisible, and Jesus is Lord of all. I want to remind you, too, how many of you know our gospel and our faith is supernatural? Jesus' birth was a virgin birth. How many of you know a lot of people stumble over that? But when you're God Almighty, that's not really that hard to do because the supernatural is who you are. How many of you know this? His life was supernatural. He lived a sinless life. You guys can say amen if you believe this with me. A sinless life. And his life was filled with the miraculous how many of you know his death was supernatural number one he foretold it he told how it was going to happen when it was going to happen and then he resurrected from the dead How mean you know that's supernatural because dead things don't come back to life by themselves but jesus did how about his ascension that was pretty supernatural you're standing there jesus is talking to you the next thing you know he starts ascending to the right hand of the father right before your eyes that's kind of cool uh his whole life was marked by the supernatural. And let me remind you, his return is going to be equally supernatural. No one's going to be able to say, hey, did you see Jesus came back? Oh, no, I was at Starbucks. I must have missed that. No, no, that's not going to happen. Every single person on planet Earth will be captivated by the second coming of Jesus Christ. And, and, uh, and it won't be, you won't be able to hide. It's not going to be like, oh, I missed the news. Oh, no, you'll, you'll definitely experience the news. Because it's supernatural. Just a little public service reminder to the church of Jesus Christ. But one of the signs of counterfeit religion is that it has been hollowed out, and and the shell remains, but it's missing the substance. If I took you guys out for some great seafood dinner, and we had some shrimp... And you went and you picked up that shrimp and you went to eat it and you realized you had to peel it first. And when you went to peel it, you realized all you had was the shell of the shrimp. You would not be satisfied. I guarantee you, you would not come back to that restaurant, would you? What happens when people show up to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and all they get is shrimp shells and no substance? No shrimps. People don't come back. God forbid that we're a shell, an empty void of what he's trying to accomplish. Look with me in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul says this, but this, but know this, in the last days, perilous times are going to come. Men will be lovers of themselves. All right. Self-focused, self-absorbed. Everything about me, 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 me. They're going to be lovers of money. They're going to be materialistic people. All they're going to care about is money, keeping their money, storing up stuff, materialism. They're going to be, look at this, boasters, proud. There's so many references in here that deal with haughtiness or, or, or prideful arrogance, blasphemers, mocking those things which are holy, Disobedient to parents. Wow, they threw that right in the middle. That just seems like it's out of place, but there it is right next to blasphemers. Disobedient to parents. In other words, people that are rebellious to the legitimate God-given authority over their life. Unthankful. Look at all these unwords here in a row. Unthankful unholy, unloving, unforgiving. How many of you know you don't want to fit in either of those four designations? We want to be full of the love of God. We want to forgive people that have hurt us or wounded us. We want to be full of gratitude and we want to be living holy lives. Look at what it says next, slanderers, people that speak evil of other people with their mouths. They attack somebody else's reputation with their mouths. Without self-control, brutal. These are violent people. We're seeing so much violence in our culture today. They despise what is good. You know, on, for, on Thursday night, the opening of our Band of Brothers, we talked about covenant. Well, here what we see people who are traitors. They don't keep relationships holy, and they don't guard covenant relationships. They're traitors. They violate trust. They, they break relationships. They're headstrong. They're haughty. They're lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. But look at verse 5. This is stunning to me. We see all this description of self and arrogance and pride and pleasure seekers and materialistic people and unforgiving and unthankful and this horrible picture. But look what it says in verse 5. They have a form of godliness, but they deny its power. And Paul says, stay away from those kind of people. You know, it says here in NLT, turn away or avoid. Have you ever been out you know, shopping at the store and maybe you run into somebody and, you're, and you just don't want to deal with them at that moment? And you got your shopping cart and what do you do? Come on, don't act super spiritual on me. I know exactly what, you know what I'm talking about. You turn the other way because you don't want the conversation at that moment. You want it on your own terms. The Bible says when you see people that fit that that qualification, that's not the crowd you're hanging with. It doesn't mean we don't love them and try to reach them with the gospel, but they're not your social network. And can I just say this? Don't go to a church that fits that job description. You know, I shared with you last week, when I was was down at the Statehouse testifying on behalf of things that are holy, like marriage, all the peacocks showed up. You know who the peacocks are? Those are all the religious people in all their gowns. They had all the external shrimp shells on. But when you're promoting things that cost the Son of God His life and His blood, I don't care what kind of peacock gown you have on. On the inside, you're a hypocrite And a phony, and you're a phony of the most dangerous kind because you baptize the grace of God in sin and perversion and you call it good and you put your peacock robe on to somehow justify it. And God calls it an abomination, a stench in his mouth. It is empty religious shell lacking the substance. And God has a holy jealousy for his church, and he has a holy jealousy for what goes on in this place. And I need to say, since this is second service, I need to give a public service announcement and say, for those of you that were here last week during this time, I got a little too free and a little too loose, and a little too much of Ron Johnson came out, and the Holy Spirit checked me on that. uh, And he said, hey, didn't need to go there. I said, Correction taken, please forgive me. I just want you to know, I do get this most of the time, and I do get the fact that every chance I get a chance to speak to you, it's not me or my personality that needs to come through. It's the glory of God and the word of God and the holiness of God and the mission of God, and so I just want you to say, please forgive me for being a little loose last week, all right? Now, it was entertaining, but it wasn't appropriate. I will say that. It wasn't appropriate. Them of you are going, what is he talking about? You'll have to listen to the podcast if some of you are wondering what in the world was all that about. I just want to tell you that a faith that is powerless to heal and powerless to free people of emotional wounds, powerless to to bring about real life transformation is not the faith. And I just want you all to know here that we need to be people who believe in the supernatural. And if your life did not start, your life in Christ did not start from a supernatural encounter with Jesus that changed you from the inside out, you might have got a shrimp shell instead of the real deal. It's amazing to me in our churches today, so much of what passes for evangelical evangelism is simply all geared toward people's minds. We tell people three simple points and then we ask them to pray a prayer with us and and if they pray the prayer and fill out the card, then everything's good and we count them on our rolls or whatever. I know that the gospel has content and I know that sometimes the Romans Road and some of these other tools, they're wonderful tools that help make the gospel plain. But can I just remind you that if the gospel is just about connecting dots and believing certain theological points and saying a prayer, But there's not any genuine transformation in your life, you haven't been born again. Because even the devils in hell can connect the dots. The devils in hell know who Jesus Christ is. The difference is they have no supernatural appreciation and passion and love for the Son of God. I had the joy of praying for a man this morning who came up and he said, you know, I just feel like there's a block. I just feel like there's something keeping me. I feel like I've not been able to truly experience Jesus in that way. And you know what? We prayed and breakthrough happened and tears started to come for the first time in this man's life. And he had the assurance that he was a believer and a son of the Most High God. Listen to me. If people cannot come... If people cannot come into the presence of the living God among his gathered people, then, man, I do not want to be guilty of the peacock show, all right, where we look good because we got a nice sign and we got a nice building and we're all looking pretty nice here. Peacocks don't set people free. Jesus sets people free. And when I read the gospel... When I read the gospel, the gospel everywhere you see it preached is coming with the full force of the power of heaven to demonstrate that what we just preached is true. And you don't have to believe it like wishful thinking. You don't have to be argued into it. It's because you experience the power of God. And listen, somebody who has had an an impactful, real relationship with the living God, they never wonder whether that was real or not because it leaves a mark on the heart. You all know what I'm talking about? It doesn't mean you've got it all figured out. It doesn't mean you're not going to struggle. It doesn't mean you're not going to have doubts every now and then because we're human beings, but it means this. You go back to that moment when you drove that stake in the ground and you realize Jesus did something in my life that changed me. I'm not the same person I used to be. And I just want to say, too, you know, I I told this story before. When I was a youth pastor one time, we had people that left the church, and when I tracked them down, I found out I was the guilty guy. I was the the cause. I tracked them down. You know, why why did you leave? This was their answer. Because unsaved teenagers were showing up at our youth ministry, and they didn't want their kids to be contaminated around unsaved people. Can I just remind you that gospel should be going to the most difficult, dark places, and not, not because we're afraid our kids are gonna be contaminated. I want us to raise kids so full of God, we can, we're saying to the world, we're sorry, but we're releasing our kids, and they're going to get you, all right? You need to be afraid of our kids. Not that we're afraid of you, that we believe it. And I don't care who walks through those doors or what kind of condition they're in or what kind of history they have or what kind of record they have or what kind of sin they've dealt with. I know there are churches that are like, well, we just can't let you come to our church because you're a convicted such-and-sucher. Well, praise God if you were convicted and he brought you to justice and you since then come to know him. We want to help you be free. That's what the church does. And this is why in the midst of pandemic, we're not going to let you run around hysterical and fearful and freaking out about everything, because a fearful people are not a supernatural people. And a fearful people cannot move in the power of God. And a fearful people have no hope to offer anybody anything. We need to be a bold people, a confident people in God. We need to be a people that face challenges, unashamed of the challenges, say, God is big enough for this. You know, Paul took the church in Galatians to task. Put that verse up for me. He took them to task. He said, you guys started off so great. In other words, their their visitation was accompanied with a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit, and the Bible says, and miracles. Can I just challenge us today that for the sake of the glory of God, not for the sake of some show, all right? You know, Jesus had people that followed him for the show. And I've seen people that follow Jesus for the show. It's for the food and for the fireworks. You remember John chapter 6, Jesus got serious with them all. And he talked about communion and eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And everybody got offended and they all took off because the show was over at that point. But I just want to say this. We cannot give up on pursuing a God who's supernatural and believing that God is still in the miracle business today because here's what's at stake, not the show, but the glory of God. The glory of God. Part of the glory of God is that nothing is impossible for him and he likes to show off when things are the darkest. And I don't know about you, but there's a hunger in my heart that we're coming into a new move of God where there's going to be a fresh release of the power of God. And when God begins to show up, I call it flexing his muscle. You know, the Bible talks about the right arm of God, his powerful right arm, as if his left arm's tied behind his back. God can do more with one arm than we can do with millions of arms because that's who he is. So we have to be a place where desperate people come. And I just want to tell you, that has been living stones since the beginning. We don't get the nice little couple with two kids, a dog named Spot, and a white picket fence. We get people who are jacked up. My dad informed me that that includes everybody. The rest are just faking it anyway, all right? If you're wanting the respectable Peacock Church, I'm just telling you, this ain't it. I never want to be that church. I've heard people say, we want to go to a church where we just never are going to be embarrassed. Well, what they mean by that is they hope the Holy Spirit never does something crazy and makes them feel uncomfortable. How I many you know with the Holy Spirit in the Bible, when he shows up, stuff happens? And most of the time, people didn't know what happened until they had time to process it later. It's like when the Holy Spirit outpouring came and people begin speaking in other tongues and worshiping God, and then they go, what was that? But you know what they knew? God showed up. Now we need to figure out what just happened to us. (laughs) I'm not kidding you. You look through the book of Acts and you look through the experience of the church uh, uh, early on, and most of the time they're going, wow, God showed up. Help us, help us understand what just took place. In other words, help us put the theological parameters now around what just took place. See, this is what I love. When God is in his church and people come, Many times they start weeping. They start feeling conviction of sin. Nobody's even talked to them about these things. They start sensing the presence of God. They come forward, maybe somebody lays hands on them and prays for them, and God touches them in ways that are beyond our understanding sometimes. Sometimes they're overwhelmed by the presence of God. They just fall to the ground. I've heard religious people say, ah, the Holy Spirit would never push anybody to the ground. Can't wait till it happens to you. The Holy Spirit does whatever he wants because he's God. And when you put your finger in an outlet and you got 220 going through, I guarantee you, you might be doing some things you didn't think would happen either, but you have encountered a power far greater than you. And he makes you feel small. I've seen people laughing as God heals their hearts. I've seen people weeping as God breaks them. Emotion, emotion makes Western Christians uncomfortable. We don't like emotion, do we? Do we? What's going on here? Maybe you're not in control and neither is the pastor. Maybe Jesus is coming back into his church. And maybe when Jesus comes into his church, there's a response You know, I don't go up to my wife on Valentine's Day and look at her with a stoic face. Honey, I love you. Nothing's changed. Got the ring to prove it. Happy Valentine's Day. I would be slain in the spirit at that moment. (laughs) Why in the world would we expect that when somebody... A broken, hurting, desperate person has an encounter with the supernatural God that there's not some kind of emotion coming off of their spirit. Whether it's contrition, over sin, repentance, brokenness, humility, thankfulness, gratitude, tears of joy, tears of sorrow, I don't know what, shaking under the power of God. I don't know what it is, but I just know this. When, when we come in contact with God, It's not like you go, well, I think maybe I had an encounter with the Lord. No, you know you had an encounter with God. And here's what I have been preaching for years. Don't settle for anything but what's real. Because I don't know your heart, and I don't know where you are with Jesus, and I don't know where you are this morning, and I don't know whether you're close to God or far from God. I don't know what your problems are. And listen to me, I can't fix any of your problems. And nobody in this room can But God can't, and and the power of the blood of Jesus can. And the power of the Holy Spirit. You know who we should be the most intimate with? Is the member of the Trinity who has been sent to planet Earth now. His name is the Holy Spirit. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. He is going to return in power and glory. In the meantime, hello Holy Spirit. I better get to know you better. I better get to hear you better. I need to experience your presence so that I love you more than any other idols that are around me in my culture today. How many of you want to finish well? How many of you want to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might? How many of you want to be fruitful and see God working in your life and producing great fruit in your life? All of this happens because we choose to walk with the living God. And we're not going to settle for anything short of that. Can you all agree with me that what we should be praying for is a healthy marriage in the church? Well, what is that healthy marriage? It's the marriage between the Word of God and the Spirit of God. That we would. um, I, I just want to share. I want to share the vision openly. That we would love the Word of God and we would love to submit to the Word of God and eat the Word of God. And that we would be doctrinally grounded in truth and we're not flaky and weird and just floating around in the clouds. We want to be grounded in truth. But then we need the whole stream of the Spirit of God to come in and the Word and the Spirit to make us come alive so that we know the heart of God. And when we read the Bible, the Holy Spirit's the one that inflames that truth and makes us love Jesus more and more and more, makes us love our brothers and sisters more and more and more, helps our marriages to flow, helps our relationships with our kids to be alive and full. Jesus said, I came to bring life. He came to bring the Spirit and life, the Word, the truth, the light that's in our heads, but the fire that's in our hearts. And so I've heard people say before, man, you just heard the testimonies. I never felt so loved when I came here. That's not because we have a great greeter training program, (laughs) it's because we have great greeters who love Jesus. And who love people. And when you get around people that are full of God, you're going to feel loved. When you go to some churches, you're around religious people and nobody even talks to you. It's because you're around religious people. Religious people are not loving people. They're some of the nastiest people on planet Earth. Just go to a church board meeting sometime, a congregational meeting, you'll see what I'm talking about. People can kill each other over the color of carpeting, for God's sake, when you're at religious places. But lovers of Jesus love people, and you feel it. You know that Living Souls Church? I don't know what it is, but that that worship over there, man, it's got some stuff on it, man. I mean... People get emotional over at that church. That's, that's one of those kind of churches. No, people don't get emotional at that church, like, like as part of our new members class. We give you a personality test, and only if you're emotionally unstable do we welcome you here to the church. Oh, a little bit flighty. Yeah, we got the spot for you. No, we don't. It's because of this. When you've had an encounter with Jesus and you sing, there's nothing we love more than you, Jesus, it's you, nothing more precious than you, you're not just singing empty words, it's like a love song. How do you sing a love song without any affection in your heart? You may know what I'm talking about. What I'm trying to tell you this morning is some of you need to trade your religious garb for an encounter with Jesus that messes you up. I've prayed for people, For someone's crying, they're like, man, I don't know what's happening, I'm like, more, Lord, more, Lord. Mess them up, Lord. Break us, God. Shake us, God. Rip our heart open, God. Heal us, Lord. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Some woman with a nasty past, one of those kind of women, Sitting at Jesus' feet, blubbering all over, snot tears. I, I've been at the altar praying with these people. I get it on my shirt. I know what he's talking about. This is all over Jesus' feet. This lady having a meltdown. Because she loves so much. What did the disciples do who had the religion thing down? Hey, Jesus, don't you know who that woman is? What are you doing? Your feet are getting them. Uh, here's what they were saying We feel uncomfortable. We feel uncomfortable by this woman's radical demonstration of affection. And Jesus is just chilling. He wasn't shaken by that. He knew exactly what was going on. Can I just encourage us as a church? Let's get in the word more than ever. Love the word. But listen, everything you read in the Bible, you should be saying, I want to experience that. I want that. I want to see that. I want to be used by God for that. You all hear what I'm talking about? And don't you dare fall under this lie that when John, the last apostle, kicked the bucket, God's been taking a long nap until Jesus comes. And now that we have the Bible, the Word, we no longer have need of the Spirit to demonstrate that the Word is authentic because we got the Bible. I don't know about you, but I thank God that he has spoken and we have the Bible. But I don't just want to read stories like history lessons. I want to live the gospel in the fullness of the gospel. So, stand on your feet. Anybody ready for more? I'm going to ask you again, are you really ready for more? And let's open up our spirits. Come on, let's open up our hearts. Let's be going after God right now for fresh encounter, and it's not all right here. We're, we're, this is a lifestyle of pursuit. This is a lifestyle of going after God. This is a lifestyle of being hungry for the glory of God in our generation. Lord, I just cry out for my brothers and sisters, myself, right in the midst. God, let living stones and let this gathering of precious people be, be a sign and a wonder to this generation. Lord, may this be a place of great hope, of great outpouring, of great healing, Lord. Father, let the wells of revival and all the prophetic inheritance that you have spoken over this house. God, I want to see it happen with my brothers and sisters. Lord, a torrent of evangelism, of people coming to Jesus. Lord, you prophesied there would be a great healing anointing and healing outpouring. Lord, we contend for it. God, we want your presence to be thick in this place. Lord, when the doors open on Sunday and your people come together, we want to sense the glory of the Lord hanging like a cloud over this house. Lord, move with your might. Move with your power, God. Save people, Lord. Heal broken hearts. Lord, baptize people in your Holy Spirit. Lord God Almighty, we pray for the healing of broken bodies and broken souls. Lord, for all of us here under the sound of my voice this morning, Father, we ask you for fresh encounters. Holy Spirit, overwhelm us, awaken us. Lord, renew us where we're dry. Oh God, we ask you to water us and refresh us, Lord. Jesus, we just want to love you well and we want to know you. God, we want to know you. We want to know you, Lord. Lord, there's more. For all of us. So that's what we're hungry for, Jesus. Give us more. Give us more. Can you personalize it where you're at right now? Just ask the Lord for more, that you're hungry. I just say this. So many of the new folks that are coming to our church, if there's one word that I think summarizes what's going on right now, is there is a hunger in your heart for more. Some of you have been so well taught, but you need to experience more. You need to know what you're walking in. You need to taste it with your own lips. And so, Lord, I'm asking you, I'm asking you, Father, right now for fresh awakening, fresh outpouring. Lord, begin to mess us up in a good way, God. Fresh fire, Lord, fresh fire. Fresh fire, God. You know, and if you need prayer today, I want our leadership team to come forward. If you need prayer, and maybe you don't know the Lord, or maybe you're like that precious guy I prayed with today who just felt like there's something blocking him from the full affection of the Father. Oh, it's so fun to let God remove those blocks. I don't know what it is that you need. Some of you might need a a miracle in your body. You might be facing a a serious situation. Some of you are just emotionally broken right now. I just want to tell you, God wants to touch you, and God wants to love you and minister to you. So the altars are open right now. I'm going to release you all in just a second. Marriage class is at 4 o'clock today. Don't forget that. But if you need prayer for anything, and if you've come here today and you're desperate, I ask you, before you leave, get out of your seat. Just come down right now. Come down and let the Lord himself touch you, all right? Father, thank you now. Bless our people. Bless us this week. God, use us this week in ways that are stunning and amazing and that bring you glory. May your hand and your fingerprints be all over our lives, we pray this week. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Hey, you're dismissed. We love you. If you need prayer, come on down, all right?